This is part four of our deep dive into the FBI's history of dishonest dealings, proving once again that Mike Pence is dead wrong and the FBI is beyond redemption and must be dismantled on this edition of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We're the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. This is episode 224 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Thursday, August 25th, 2022. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, I will never call Joe Biden president because it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. I will never pretend a man can become a woman, and I will never forget about the January 6th political prisoners most Republican politicians refuse to even mention. And... August 8th, 2022, the day the Biden regime's secret police conducted an unprecedented and unconstitutional raid on the home of a former president of the United States is a day that will live in infamy. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburn.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Mike Davis, former clerk for Justice Gorsuch and former vetter of federal judges for Senator Grassley when he was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, is scheduled to be my guest today at noon Eastern. He'll be giving his incisive legal analysis of the FBI's outrageous, illegal, unconstitutional raid on former President Trump's home, and I will also be asking him for advice on how we might best try to get our country out of this mess. That's Mike Davis on the Doc Washburn Show, Thursday, August 25th, noon Eastern, 11 Central. And, of course, you can listen to it after the fact in podcast form. Also, later this week, I will give you the details of President Trump's lawsuit against Hillary Clinton And a lot of other folks. Have you heard about that anywhere else? Well, you're going to hear it on the Doc Washburn Show. Also, if you haven't listened to it yet, I would urge you to check out episode 220, in which I interviewed former assistant U.S. attorney Jeff Clark. His home was raided by the feds over six weeks before they raided Mar-a-Lago. It was a fascinating conversation. That's episode 220. My interview with former Assistant U.S. Attorney General Jeffrey Clark. All right, now, remember what Mike Pence said. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Okay. Mike Pence is saying that you no longer have the First Amendment right to free speech to criticize the FBI. That's what that 
means. Now, I want to um, I want to address this. Fox Business Network, which is the sister station to Fox News Channel, has a Wall Street Journal program on it. And James Freeman was filling in for the regular host on the WSJ at Large show. And he asked a question of a Christopher Bedford who is the editor-at-large of The Federalist. So here's, here's James Freeman's question. Christopher, I guess I read in a certain way, maybe the, what the vice president was basically saying is if there's a problem or if there are questions, it's at the leadership of the Justice Department, the people who oversee the FBI, as opposed to the rank and file, there's nothing wrong with uh, the agents on the street level. Okay. So Christopher Bedford from The Federalist wasn't having it, and he got into the history of the FBI. I'm sure, but it's a straw man argument from people like Mike Pence and Crenshaw, and it's intentional from them. The idea that criticizing the FBI or trying to hold them accountable, or at least transparent for raiding the homes of political opponents, means abolishing the FBI is ridiculous. And the idea that the FBI is not political is just ahistorical. Richard Nixon, Mr. Law and Order, didn't trust the FBI and wouldn't work with them during the Alger Hiss case when he was investigating the State Department. Uh, Barry Goldwater, Mr. Law and Order Republican candidate, couldn't trust the FBI because they bug phones in his campaign offices and on his campaign plan and put a spy in his campaign office to work for Lyndon B. Johnson. Not being able to trust the FBI is as old as essentially as it's founded. The Republicans have finally rediscovered that lack of trust because they're raiding political opponents. Well, that's a good thing. And for Mike Pence to go out there and do this carefully crafted message, this intentional message, like everything he does is carefully crafted, to put himself on the side of law enforcement after five years of lying to the American people about Donald Trump, about nuclear secrets, about working with the Russians... Well, that's just a bad place to be. I'm not sure what his lane is to president. He doesn't have one. He doesn't have one. I'm thinking odds are, unless you're a lot older than I am, you had no idea that Richard Nixon didn't trust the FBI. You had no idea that Barry Goldwater didn't trust the FBI unless you're an awful lot older than I am. I mean, that was news to me. Hearing that was news to me. Now, Cheryl Atkinson, a longtime investigative reporter. Um, let me tell you what Thomas Lifeson, the publisher of American Thinker, said about Cheryl Atkinson just a few days ago. He said, the 42 seconds of the Rumble video embedded in this article are truly shocking. Courageous journalist Cheryl Atkinson testifies to a congressional hearing about the depths of to which the FBI has sunk 
in its attempts to discredit one of its most effective critics. Okay? In case you don't know, while she was working as a reporter, actually for CBS News, certainly no part of any kind of conservative organization, while she was working as a reporter for CBS News, Ms. Atkinson's work and home computers were invaded and taken over by the FBI. Evidently, because she had incurred their ire with her reporting. You can watch the CBS report on the incursion here, and he has an embedded video to her reporting on the CBS morning show back when they had uh, Gail King, Charlie Rose, I don't remember who the other one was, and it's eerie. This is 2013. So that would have been Barack Obama president and Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller, FBI director. Uh, we're supposed to think it's just the, the top guys. It's not the, uh, not the regular agents, just the top guys. Yeah, Robert Mueller was um, he was FBI director until September 4th, 2013. He was succeeded by James Comey on the very same day. So let me look. Let's see, watch on YouTube. I, I want to see when in 2013 she made this appearance. Because she's still suing them, you know, through, uh, yeah, June 17, 2013. She's still suing them through Robert Mueller, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, um, now Christopher Ray. By the way, remember now, Christopher Ray a few weeks ago, right before the raid on Mar-a-Lago, he was giving testimony, Senate Judiciary Committee, don't forget, U.S. Senator Marshall Blackburn, Tennessee, asked him, would you characterize the Rush, the uh, the Trump-Russia collusion situation as a hoax? And he said, well, that's not a word I would use. Well, why not, pal? That's what it was. Anyway, Cheryl Ackerson on the CBS News Morning Show in June of 2013. It went something like this. CBS News has confirmed that someone has been breaking into the computer of our investigative correspondent, Cheryl Atkinson. Security experts are still trying to identify who did that. Cheryl Atkinson is in Washington this morning and joins us now. Cheryl, what was happening with your computer that made you suspicious? Well, Gail, there were signs of unusual happenings in my home for many months, and that included odd behavior of both my work and my personal computers. One example was the computer's 
began turning themselves on and then back off again during the night. I was able to verify and obtain some information on the suspicious activities, and I reported that to CBS News Management in January, since it included CBS equipment and systems. CBS then hired an independent cybersecurity firm, which conducted a thorough forensic analysis, and that ruled out the ordinary malware phishing programs and that sort of thing. So, Cheryl, you have been reporting on Benghazi. You did some of the groundbreaking work on the Fast and Furious program. What exactly did the intruder do, or what were they looking for, do we know, on your computer? Well, with the investigation continuing, we can't give all the details, but the analysis found very unusual activity buried deep in the computer. The unauthorized party accessed the CBS computer in my home on multiple occasions, and specifically in December, they used sophisticated methods to cover their tracks, meaning they tried to remove the indications of their previous unauthorized activity. And we're not prepared to talk more about the who is and who did this today, but the intruder is considered highly skilled and used very sophisticated methods. Uh, this would be a fear for all of us, but tell us your own reaction to know to knowing that this kind of invasion has taken place. Well, when any unauthorized party comes into the home of an American, whether it's a private citizen or a journalist, and searches through their computers, inserting or removing material for whatever their reason is, it's a very serious and disturbing matter. I'm outraged that anyone would do such a thing, and CBS News takes all of this very seriously. Okay. So, um, what, uh, what, what does Mike Pence have to say? Yeah, what, uh, what's Vice President Pence have to say? And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Vice President Pence, um, you know, I don't think you're stupid, man. I can't really chalk this up to ignorance, Vice President Pence. I mean, I'm sure your fans will want those of us who are aware of what's going on to chalk it up to ignorance, but... uh you're not stupid. You're not stupid, man. Thomas Lifeson over at AmericanThinker.com, article entitled Cheryl Ackerson Reveals How Low the FBI Will Go. Article continues after the embedded video you just heard. He says, Armed with considerable evidence, she has sued individual agents and has already received one default judgment in her favor. Here's how she explains it. Multiple forensics exams concluded that numerous devices used by Atkinson were remotely compromised, including but not limited to a CBS Toshiba laptop, an Apple iMac desktop, a MacBook Air, mobile devices including a BlackBerry, Forensics exams were conducted from 2013 to the present by confidential government source. CBS hired forensics firms. Independent forensic examiner number one, Department of Justice Inspector General, 
independent forensic examiner number two, independent forensic firm. Says, most recently I received a clerk's default against one of the guilty federal agents. I guess that means he didn't show up for the court proceeding. Against one of the guilty federal agents I'm suing. Discovery is underway with another defendant, an ex-Secret Service agent, imprisoned on a different corruption crime whom DOJ is using your tax money to hire private counsel to defend. Now, again, this article is from August 20th of this year. This is over seven years later. No, wait, over nine years later. It was 2013 to 2022, over nine years later. She says, these lawsuits, well, no, Thomas Lifeson, AmericanThinker.com, says these lawsuits are very expensive, and Cheryl has a GoFundMe page that is three-quarters of the way to the goal of $400,000 to continue the lawsuits. You can read more about the lawsuits and donate here, and they have a link. I hope GoFundMe doesn't shut her down like they do a lot of conservatives. I would never use GoFundMe. If I had something like this, I would use uh, Give, Send, Go. Anyway, Thomas Lifeson says, so how low will the FBI go trying to fight her? Watch and try to control your anger. And again, we played this the other day, but in light of what Mike Pence is saying, I think it bears repeating her testimony at a congressional hearing. May I say um, one little reported facet of my case is one of the federal agents involved in one of the operations against me said that they intended to plant child porn in my husband's computer. This is the FBI. There's been a case um, that's currently in litigation unrelated in which an FBI agent has testified that they did that. They have done that. It was not accomplished in my case. I guess the, the curtain was drawn on that facet of the operation prior to them doing it. But imagine how you ever get out of that. How you, they, they knew we had a young daughter at home and had allegedly conspired to do that. What you got, Mike Pence? What you got? And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. Yeah, I don't see what Mike Pence's lane is to get the nomination either. This is... This is outrageous, man. This is outrageous. But I'm just getting started. I am just getting started. Let me share this with you. Article from American Greatness from May 11th of this year entitled Whitmer Hoax Defendant, quote, My Life Got Taken Away From Me, unquote. Subtitle, Brandon Caserta was not a criminal planning to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, but a human pawn in yet another FBI stunt designed to interfere in the election and sabotage Donald Trump. It's by Julie Kelly. Brandon Caserta had just ordered takeout, a bacon double cheeseburger with jalapeno and avocado that the restaurant named the Spicy Brando in his honor. When a co-worker... said the plant manager needed to see him. 
Instead of leaving to take his lunch break as planned, Caserta, who at the time worked as a machinist in a Michigan factory, the manufacturer's parts for four trucks walked to his boss's office to see what was up. When Caserta entered the office October 7, 2020, at least 15 masked FBI agents and local law enforcement officers immediately tackled him to the ground. According to Brandon Caserta, who spoke with American Greatness by phone for four hours to discuss his nearly two-year ordeal at the hands of the U.S. government, they shouted, Stop resisting! You're under arrest! Caserta was taken from Plymouth, Michigan to Ypsilanti, Michigan that evening and interrogated. Hours later, FBI agents finally revealed why he was under arrest for conspiring to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the Democrat governor of Michigan. Brandon Caserta said it was surreal. It was like, are you serious right now? Then they said, the other guys say you know all about it. Well, the other guys were acquaintances that Caserta had met for the first time earlier that summer. They, too, had been arrested on the same federal charge in what the Justice Department considered a potential act of domestic terrorism. Caserta's name, along with the names of five other defendants, Adam Fox, Ty Garbin, Caleb Franks, Barry Croft Jr., and Daniel Harris, went viral. Their mugshots were plastered across the front pages and cable news channels while reporters described the men as white supremacists and members of right-wing militias loyal to President Donald Trump. Governor Whitmer gave an emotional public statement the next day to blame Trump, her political nemesis, for inciting the alleged plot. Joe Biden did the same thing on the campaign stump in the waning weeks of the 2020 election as millions of Americans were voting for president. In a statement on October 8, 2020, Biden said, There is a through line from President Trump's dog whistles and tolerance of hate, vengeance, and lawlessness to plots such as this one. That same day, Brandon Caserta and his co-defendants began an 18-month stint in county jail, awaiting trial as federal prosecutors built their case while attempting to conceal the government's deep involvement in the plot. Turns out Caserta and his alleged co-conspirators were not criminals planning to snatch Governor Whitmer from her summer host and dump her in the middle of Lake Michigan after all. No, they were human pawns in yet another stunt by the Federal Bureau of Investigation designed to interfere in a national election and sabotage Donald Trump's attempt at being reelected. And the elaborate, costly scheme had been months in the making. In late February 2020, ahead of the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns that upended millions of American lives, Brandon Caserta was laid off from his 50-hour-a-week job where he worked the second shift from 2.30 p.m. to 12.30 in the morning every day. 
a self-described anarchist worried about government overreach from lockdown policies, Caserta went online to find like-minded citizens who shared his concerns. He said, I was sort of stuck in my apartment with most of my family out of state. I was just trying to find people to network with. So Brandon Caserta joined a private Facebook chat at the invitation of a man tied to a volunteer militia group in southwestern Michigan. Most of the chatter was dude stuff, Caserta said, and suggestions on how to repair and use firearms. None of the discussions were illegal. He went back to work in mid-May. In June, a leader of the Wolverine Watchmen, a mostly online so-called militia group allegedly at the center of the kidnapping plot, invited Caserta to attend firearms training in Munith, Michigan. It was there for the first time Caserta met a few of his future co-defendants and a man known to the group as Big Dan. A self-described Iraq War combat veteran, Big Dan offered to share his knowledge of firearms, but Big Dan was hiding a secret. He had been hired in March 2020 as an informant for the FBI. Caserta said, I walked into a terrorism enterprise investigation without my knowledge. One FBI agent later testified that the agency had designated the operation as a TEI, which involved numerous FBI field offices and expensive surveillance equipment, such as drones and airplanes, and required approval at the highest levels of the FBI and Department of Justice. The operation also included at least a dozen FBI confidential human sources and undercover agents. Big Dan, whose real name is Dan Chappell, was the lead informant and was compensated at least $60,000, as well as given a new laptop, smartwatch, and tires for his car by the FBI to coordinate the plot from start to finish. Without Big Dan Chapel, the random group never would have met, let alone dreamed up a far-fetched plan to kill Governor Whitmer's security detail and abduct her from an isolated cottage. In fact, in a text message with Big Dan Chapel in August 2020, his FBI handler commended Dan Chapel for, quote, bringing people together, unquote. Dan Chappell created at least two encrypted group chats to connect his targets. Both chats were named F Around and Find Out. Now, according to defense attorneys, Big Dan Chappell and another informant, a convicted felon named Stephen Robeson, coordinated every event while recording conversations later used as evidence against their clients. One attorney wrote in a 2021 filing, the government's agents actively planned and coordinated its efforts to induce the defendants to engage in incriminating behavior and statements, even going so far as designing the objective and structural components of the conspiracy alleged in the indictment. A different attorney described the recorded conversations as stoned crazy talk, since many of the meetings involved the use of alcohol and marijuana. The FBI's assets 
exploited the men's outrage over sustained lockdowns in Michigan and riots in the aftermath of George Floyd's death, which prompted heightened interest in gun rights among the group. Brandon Caserta said Dan ran the training every time. It was their idea to do many of the things we did. They took unconnected people and created events to make it seem legitimate, then recorded conversations to make it look like there was some sort of connection between all of us. Caserta didn't even meet the man the government still insists is the ringleader of the caper until three months after the FBI purportedly began its investigation. Caserta and Adam Fox, a down-on-his-luck man in his 30s, living in the dilapidated cellar of a vacuum repair shop in a Grand Rapids strip mall, both attended a training event in Munich on June 28th. Caserta said about Adam Fox, I didn't know who he was or what was going on. According to court filings, Big Dan Chapel had daily contact, sometimes multiple times a day, with Adam Fox. Starting in June 2020, resulting in thousands of text messages and phone calls in addition to numerous in-person meetings, some of which took place at the vacuum shop. On at least five occasions, Big Dan Chapel offered Fox a $5,000 gift card, which Fox repeatedly declined even though he was broke. Caserta said Fox was preyed on heavily by the government, manipulated by the government. But the FBI had a problem. According to Brandon Caserta, no one liked Fox. He said the only people actually connected to Fox were Big Dan, Steve Robeson, and FBI undercover agent Mark. The undercover agent known as Mark pretended to have a girlfriend, also an FBI undercover agent, to get close to Fox and his then-girlfriend Amanda. Brandon Caserta says, Big Dan was selling the idea that Adam was the leader coming up with all the ideas. The government said Adam was my leader. He was not. I never got along with him and never will. The first time Brandon Caserta met Barry Croft Jr. was at a training event in Cambria, Wisconsin, hosted by FBI confidential human source Steve Robeson and his wife in July 2020. Big Dan Chapel spent $1,000, Caserta says, to rent a Chevy Suburban and drive the Michigan targets, the people they are trying to entrap, over to Wisconsin. But despite the FBI's best efforts, by the end of August, there was no plan to kidnap the governor. Further, the group was splintering. The FBI encouraged Big Dan Chapel and another informant named Jenny to convince the men to stay united. To do so, Big Dan Chapel and Stephen Robeson organized another event in Luther, Michigan, on the weekend of September 11, 2020, where Chapel introduced an old military buddy named Red to the group. Chapel explained that Red was an explosives expert who could help with training. Red also showed the group a video of an SUV being blown up by an explosive device. In April 2021, the Justice Department added a weapons of mass destruction charge 
against Fox, Croft, and Harris. Red, of course, is just another FBI undercover agent. The video was produced by the FBI. Big Dan Chappell also encouraged the group to drive to Elk Rapids to surveil Governor Whitmer's cottage. Brandon Caserta didn't go. That was the last time Caserta personally interacted with the FBI assets or the men later named as his co-defendants. On the same day Caserta was arrested at work, October 2020, Fox, Garvin, Harris, and Franks were arrested after the embedded FBI assets, including Chapel, drove the men to meet Red under the pretense of picking up free gear. Instead, they were taken down by federal agents. Barry Croft, Jr., who lived in Delaware, was arrested by FBI agents in New Jersey. And that is when Brandon Caserta's nightmare began. Now, coming up, we got part two of this horrendous story called Time Just Stopped. But first, I want to say thank you so much to our advertisers, our friends, for making it possible for us to do the Doc Washburn Show five times a week. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. 
Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Thank you so much to our friends and advertisers. Jonathan Presswood from Edward Jones Financial Advisors and Mitch Ward, RedRiverYourWay.com. I cannot endorse these guys highly enough. I appreciate so much them making us able to do what we do here five times a week. All right, let's go to uh, part two of this article. The one about time just stood still. Julie Kelly, May 12th of this year, American Greatness, amgreatness.com. On October 13th, 2020, a judge denied Brandon Caserta's release from custody less than a week after federal authorities arrested him at his workplace for conspiring to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. U.S. Magistrate Judge Sally Behrens, relying mostly on evidence produced by the Justice Department, ruled Caserta posed a danger to the community and would be held awaiting trial. While acknowledging Caserta broke no law by attending field training events in 2020, exercise organized by FBI agents and informants, still, still, U.S. Magistrate Judge Sally Behrens focused on texts posted by Brandon Caserta in an encrypted group chat that allegedly discussed threats against law enforcement. According to the government, one message said, I'm taking out as many of those blank, blank, blank as I can, referring to police officers, calling the charge against Caserta a very serious and dangerous offense. Magistrate Barron's concluded the prosecutors that presented clear and convincing evidence that there is no condition or combination of conditions that will reasonably assure the safety of the community or of other persons. Caserta spent the next 18 months in the Nuego County Prison in White Cloud, Michigan. He told American Greatness in May of this year, I had everything taken away from me. Time just stopped. My main focus became the case. After determining Caserta could not afford to hire a private attorney, Judge Behrens appointed Michael Hills, a defense attorney from Kalamazoo, Michigan, to represent him. Hills immediately got to work. The government did not turn over all its discovery until June 2021, and that's when the central role of the FBI came into focus. 
Here's the quote. We saw all these conversations between Dan Chappell, the main FBI informant, and Adam Fox. The whole time Dan was trying to get Adam to do criminal stuff. Then I found text messages between FBI agents and informants and Dan with people I never saw, unquote. Defense attorneys filed bombshell motions beginning in the summer of 2021 that described the FBI's involvement. The attorney representing Caleb Franks notified the court that he would raise an entrapment defense at trial after identifying the use of at least 12 confidential human sources, otherwise known as informants, in the case. Frank's attorney, Scott Graham, wrote in a July 2021 motion, only through the efforts of confidential human sources and undercover agents did the government come up with his allegations here. Everything in this case points toward a defense of entrapment. Shortly after that motion was filed, BuzzFeed News published a lengthy investigative report providing more details on how FBI agents and informants lured the men into the kidnapping plot. BuzzFeed News reporters Ken Bensinger and Jessica Garrison concluded that FBI assets had a hand in nearly every aspect of the alleged plot, starting with its inception, and questioned whether there would have even been a conspiracy without them. The piece ignited new interest in the kidnapping scandal on the right, particularly as a backdrop to the January 6th investigation and possible use of government instigators. Similarities between the kidnapping scheme and January 6th began to emerge, including plans to, quote, storm the Capitol, unquote. That is the state capitol in Lansing, Michigan, that produced many of the same optics as the U.S. Capitol protest a few months later in January 6th. Furthermore, the head of the Detroit FBI field office, which oversaw the lead agents and informants in the governor kidnapping case, that guy was promoted to be head of the D.C. FBI field office just a few months before January 6th. There were more troubling headlines for the FBI. The day after the BuzzFeed story dropped, Local media reported that Richard Trask, the FBI agent who signed the criminal affidavit against Caserta and his co-defendants, had been arrested for assaulting his wife in a drunken rage after a swingers party near their Kalamazoo home. Agent Trask, according to a Detroit newspaper, repeatedly slammed his wife's head into a nightstand and choked her with both hands before she stopped the attack by grabbing his crotch. Body-worn camera footage from the arresting officers later showed a clearly inebriated Trask, shirtless and barefoot, exiting his car around 4 a.m. July 18, 2021. Trask's profane anti-Trump posts on social media, including one that ref- referred to President Trump as a piece of excrement, when public, the FBI fired Trask in September 2021. Suddenly, the same corporate news organizations that had published nonstop articles and opinion pieces 
about the so-called kidnapping caper before the election lost interest. Coverage evaporated. Caserta and Hills, however, powered on. Caserta said once we got the discovery, Mike and I dove straight in headfirst, scrubbing every audio file, every PDF file, every text message. It was hard, but we had truth on our side, made it easier to argue facts. Meanwhile, U.S. District Court Judge Robert Jonker agreed to a motion filed by defense attorneys to delay the October 2021 trial until early 2022 to allow time to investigate the investigators. And that probe hit pay dirt. By the end of December 2021, amid alleged misconduct by FBI agents Jason Chambers and Henrik Impola, both of whom were primarily responsible for handling Big Dan Chapel, prosecutors notified the court that neither Trask, Chambers, nor Impola would be called as government witnesses during the trial. Defense attorneys quickly filed a motion to dismiss the case. Judge Jonker denied the motion. As the trial date approached, however, the defense endured a number of setbacks. Judge Jonker sided with the government on nearly every pretrial motion. The judge described more than 200 incriminating communications between FBI agents and informants as hearsay that could not be presented to the jury. Jurors also would not hear the criminal history of Stephen Robeson, the other lead informant, who committed at least two crimes while working the Governor Whitmer kidnapping caper after Robeson threatened to invoke his Fifth Amendment rights and prosecutors accused him of acting as a double agent. And a few weeks before trial, Caleb Franks accepted a plea deal in exchange for his cooperation and a lighter prison sentence. Ty Garbin had pleaded guilty in January 2021. Both of them planned to testify for the prosecution. So Caserta, Fox, Croft, and Harris were moved to a jail facility near the federal courthouse in Grand Rapids right before the trial began on March 8th. Caserta was ready. He said, now we can expose these bastards, his word, not mine, for what they did. We had enough ammunition to show we were innocent. I thought, let's do this blank. Caserta and his remaining co-defendants finally did receive some good news. Judge Jonker ruled their attorneys could present an entrapment defense to the jury. Numerous FBI agents and experts took the stand during the three-week trial. Dan Chappell testified for nearly three days, defending his participation as a concerned citizen-turned-informant who took orders from Adam Fox. Garbin and Franks testified the FBI did not entrap anyone and insisted the plans to kidnap Whitmer were a product of collaboration among the defendants, not the agents or informants. Defense attorneys gave impassioned closing statements on April 1st. Joshua Blanchard, the attorney for Barry Croft Jr., told the jury that afternoon, when I look at what happened in this case, I'm ashamed of the behavior of the leading law enforcement agency in the United States. Adam Fox's attorney called the government's conduct unacceptable and urged the jury to find the men not guilty. Christopher Gibbons, the attorney, said about the FBI, 
They don't make terrorists so you can arrest them. Still, the defense had a major hurdle to clear. American juries historically have been hesitant to find the nation's top law enforcement agency guilty of setting up other Americans. The jury deliberated for four full days before informing Judge Jonker on April 8th that they could not reach a unanimous verdict on some of the charges. Judge Jonker urged the jury to continue but to no avail. On the afternoon of April 8, 2022, Judge Jonker called the defendants and their families into the courtroom to hear the results. Brandon Caserta said, I looked at my mom and thought, here it is. As the judge started reading the verdicts, I just put my head on the table and started breathing deeply, trying to remain calm. That's when he heard the first verdict on Adam Fox. No verdict. Then Judge Jonker read the same outcome for Barry Croft. No verdict. When he heard a not guilty verdict for Daniel Harris, Caserta said he knew at that moment that he also would be acquitted. He said, I'm looking at my family and looking down. Then the judge reads the not guilty verdict, and I just breathed a sigh of relief. I looked at the jury because I wanted them to know I love them to say thank you so much. It was Brandon Caserta's 34th birthday. Family members and paralegals for the defense attorneys were crying. Brandon Caserta gave his attorney, Mr. Hills, a bear hug. He said, I hit the lottery by getting Mike Wills. He's an absolute badass, such a genuine, personable guy. As the verdict started to sink in, as he prepared to leave the courthouse, a free man for the first time in more than 18 months, Caserta said he started to laugh. He said, it felt so good. I was so happy. We did it. We beat them. We got justice. Now, while Caserta and Daniel Harris went home that evening, Fox and Croft returned to their cells. Judge Jonker declared a mistrial for both men, the Justice Department, announced they plan to retry the case. Meanwhile, Caserta is trying to put his life back together. He lost his job, as well as nearly two years of income. His apartment complex is suing him for damages caused by the FBI raid of his home after his arrest. Caserta said he hasn't been out in public much since his exoneration, unsure how people will respond to him. Still, He's glad he fought the government. He hasn't decided whether he will sue for damages. He said, my life was at stake, but this could happen to anyone. I was fighting for everyone else's rights, too. I didn't want to make it harder for the next guy to fight these bad words. That's Julie Kelly. It's a... uh, a two-part series, the second part there was called Whitmer Hoax Defendant, We Beat Them, We Got Justice at amgreatness.com. Wow. I got to tell you, these are some bad folks. They really are. They got a history of being bad folks. 
Are there some FBI agents that are legit? Well, maybe so, but I mean, how do they keep, how do they keep their jobs if they're honest? Know what I'm saying? That's what I understand. And I know an FBI agent, but I'm not going to ask him. I could be next, you know? Because you, you don't have to commit a crime. You don't have to commit a crime for them to tackle you, start screaming at you, stop resisting arrest when you don't even know what's going on, and be thrown in jail for 18 months. You don't have to commit a crime. So I know an FBI agent. And I'm not going to ask him, so how can you keep working for that organization? I give him a wide berth. Don't ask him about anything. Never bring it up. I mean, you saw what they did to Trump, right? You ever heard of Lon Horiuchi? Randy Weaver? Ruby Ridge? Randy Weaver, Randy Weaver was a guy who lived with his wife and kids out in the middle of nowhere. A place called Ruby Ridge, Idaho. And a federal agent, an ATF guy, wanted to saw off a shotgun for him, which was illegal. And he didn't saw off enough to make it illegal. And he went back to him. And then... Next thing you know, FBI hostage rescue team shows up at Ruby Ridge, shoots and kills his 14-year-old son, and shoots and kills his wife, who's holding their 10-month-old baby in the doorway. Lon Horiuchi. That's Lon Tomahisa Horiuchi to you, who remained on the FBI hostage rescue team till 2014. Yep. See, yeah, so I'm... Uh, I do what I do here. I do what I do here. I try to bring to light. Well, you know, um, it's uh, it's something in the Bible. Y'all ever heard about this? There's a book called Ephesians in the New Testament, and it's in the fifth chapter starting with the 11th verse, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Um, I don't know. I think maybe some churches don't preach that passage. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I mean... I do that as much as I can, as much as I know how. And you know what? Um, There are people that 
make me able to do this, people without whom I wouldn't be able to do this. I want to tell you about one of them. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. Thank you once again to J.R. Crabtree, Dr. J.R. Crabtree and his wife, Dr. Tanya Crabtree. They are my advertisers. They are my doctors. And they are my friends, and I appreciate you all very much. Thank you. So, as we continue part four of why the FBI is irredeemably corrupt, we go to Jerry Dunleavy, Justice Department reporter over the Washington Examiner, and his new article entitled, New FBI Whistleblower Claims Bureau leadership slow-walked Hunter Biden investigation. All righty then. The FBI slow-walked its investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop, including telling some Bureau employees not to look at the hard drive belonging to to Joe Biden's son, according to reported whistleblower disclosures made public by a top Senate Republican, Senator Ron Johnson sent a letter to DOJ Inspector General Michael Horowitz on Tuesday of this week about the new whistleblower claims following disclosures made public last month about the Bureau allegedly wrongly labeling Hunter Biden evidence as disinformation in 2020. Senator Johnson told Inspector General Horowitz, whistleblowers have recently contacted my office to share serious concerns about the FBI's handling of Hunter Biden's laptop. He told the watchdog that after the FBI obtained the laptop from a Delaware computer shop in late 2019, local FBI leadership 
told Bureau employees that, quote, you will not look at that Hunter Biden laptop, unquote, and that the FBI is, quote, not going to change the outcome of the election again, unquote. That's what the whistleblower said. Senator Ron Johnson said the new whistleblower claims alleged that the FBI did not begin to examine the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop until after the 2020 presidential election, potentially a year after the FBI obtained the laptop in December 2019. Ron Johnson said the new whistleblower allegations should spur the DOJ Inspector General to action. He told Horowitz this week, it is clear to me, based on numerous credible whistleblower disclosures that the FBI cannot be trusted with the handling of Hunter Biden's laptop. He said, I call on you to immediately investigate the FBI's handling of Hunter Biden's laptop and begin by obtaining the history of the investigative actions taken by the FBI and Hunter Biden's laptop, which should be available on the FBI's case management system called Sentinel. Now, the latest whistleblower allegations come after more emerged in July that the FBI wrongly labeled verified evidence on Biden as disinformation, even though it was verified. Agents investigating Joe Biden's son opened an assessment which was used by an FBI headquarters team to improperly discredit negative Hunter Biden information as disinformation and caused investigative activity to cease, according to Senator Chuck Grassley, Republican of Iowa. Grassley revealed the claim after his office received a significant number of protected communications from highly credible whistleblowers about the investigation. The Republican claimed one of the communications shows verified and verifiable derogatory information on Hunter Biden was falsely labeled as disinformation. FBI Director Christopher Wray said he found the allegations deeply troubling when asked about them in early August. Joe Biden's campaign and its allies dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop story as a Russian disinformation operation in October 2020. Konstantinos Gus Dimitrilos, a cyber expert and former Secret Service agent, conducted a review for the Washington Examiner and concluded the data contained on the hard drive is authentic. Senators Grassley and Johnson have demanded the DOJ and FBI launch a full investigation in Hunter Biden's laptop, including the revelation unearthed by the Washington Examiner that Joe Biden apparently unwittingly financed his son's participation in an escort ring tied to Russia. Now, I wonder why they think it's apparently unwittingly. I guess they're just trying to be nice. Know what I'm saying, Holmes? I guess they're just trying to be nice. Oh, my goodness. Well... Having said that, you know what? I think it's time to say hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. 
Brought to you by Red River Your Way. RedRiverYourWay.com. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA. That believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to. Online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States. Today's tweet of the day is from a guy named Edward Isaac Dovere. He's a senior reporter over at CNN. And the irony here is he doesn't like the tweet. He's got 30 seconds, 30-second video of the best governor in the United States of America, Ron DeSantis of Florida, and the guy from CNN. Oh, he's clutching his pearls. He doesn't like this at all, but it is fantastic. Here it is. You have people like Fauci saying that his lockdowns didn't cause any permanent damage to any young kids. I got news for you, it did, and we are going to reap those rewards across the whole country for years and years and years because they treated kids so poorly. And I'm just sick of seeing him. I know he says he's going to retire. Someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac. Someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac. And so the liberal media, the reporters, oh, they're all, oh, 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 they're just, oh, oh, all bent out of shape. Does the governor seriously think that that's appropriate language? Oh, let's see. Is it appropriate language to a guy whose agency paid to have beagle puppies tortured to death? Yeah. Yeah. They put beagle puppies, they had their uh, their heads in an, enclo- in, in enclosures that they couldn't get out of, and they put a bunch of uh, horrible sand flies. They, they, they paid for this uh, research, quote-unquote, in Morocco, put horrible sand flies that were hungry in the enclosure with the heads so they would just kind of torture them to death that way. Fauci paid for that. Fauci, your buddy, Anthony Fauci. Or how about his uh, agency paying um, for organ removal of unborn babies? University of Pittsburgh. It said uh, in utero from six weeks to 42 weeks. And I'm like, well, no, wait a minute. 42 weeks? Pregnancy only goes 40 weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, someone needs to grab that little elf and chuck him across the Potomac. Sure. (sighs) He deserves worse, you know. But, of course, we're speaking metaphorically here, I guess. You know, I don't know. You know, take it how you want. Take it how you want. Looking forward to our next episode in which I am scheduled to interview Mike Davis, who is um, a brilliant attorney. You've been listening to episode 224 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us. 
and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the Tenth. And that's the way it is, Thursday, August 25th, 2022.